You're listening to the Name Drop Podcast, where we reveal the industry experts and brilliant founders behind the marketing campaigns and brands you know and love. In a world where things change fast and marketing is the opposite of static, we are here to reveal the marketing geniuses and how they find their inspiration, hoping to inspire you along the way. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Name Drop Podcast. Uh, Really excited for you guys to hear from our guest today as we talk about her entrepreneurial journey, growth marketing tactics that work and those that do not uh, in today's crazy ecosystem and the importance of advisors. Uh, We all need them. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. Thanks for being here today. Of course. How are you feeling today? How's your day going? Good. Things are going well. It's a Tuesday that feels like a Monday. So short week's nice, but you also kind of need those first few days of the week to get moving. So trying to be efficient. A hundred percent. Did you have a long weekend? I did. I had a nice, very relaxed weekend. I had kind of a crazy start to the year. So it's nice to have a little bit of a quiet weekend. Awesome. Cool. Well, without revealing yourself to us, um, tell me about what types of challenges, opportunities, what are you thinking about professionally these days? Yeah, I think our, our main focus right now is is how to scale the business. We have had some things happen that have allowed us to propel in um, a really exciting, but in, in many ways, lucky ways, some certain press placements and um, PR opportunities that I think really catapulted some of our products to a viral nature. But I think it's figuring out how to capitalize on that, take a business from a few million in sales to, you know, eight figure, mid eight figure is a whole different way of running a business. And so it's been a really, really interesting process of trying to understand, you know, what are the growth levers that you can lean on in a really tricky growth environment? Yeah, I'm sure. Have you tried anything that has been a total flop? We've definitely tried things that have been flops. I think that um, sometimes like one-off bright and shiny opportunities, perhaps um, like an expensive influencer or um, like an activation of sorts, I think that that can seem really exciting and and maybe had more significant lift a few years ago. But Mm -hmm. I think we live in such a content-heavy economy that – you really need to be reaching people time and time and time again before a purchase happens. So these sort of one-off opportunities I don't think are necessarily worth investing in at times. But that said, I do think, you know, you have to test it to know if that's the case. Yeah, yeah. No, that's so true. I do – I mean, as marketing continues to progress, it feels like it's less about that one hit wonder that works, right? And that's what it all used to be based on. And now it's like multiple messages over and over again, frequency as much as possible. Exactly. Which is a ton of work for a team though. It is so much work. And I think it's figuring out like where are people making their purchase decisions because it has changed, right? Like maybe once upon a time you just found your favorite influencer talking about something and that was enough. Mm -hmm. Now it needs to be like the big hot thing to see like real volume out of a marketing investment. No, I think that's true because uh, I agree with you. Everything is – so many people now are supporting different types of products that if you just see that one post or that one sort of – credibility check mark. It's yes. like, okay, well, cool. Now I know what that is, but I'm still not convinced. Exactly. Yeah. It's on your radar, but you're going to need to be reminded of it a few more times before the purchase happens. Totally. Totally. So brag about yourself a little bit. What are you <laughs> proud of? 
I am really proud of our team. We are a small but mighty three-person all-female team. We really were two people until October, and we have built an eight-figure business um, that's reached profitability in less than three years. That's amazing. Um, so some really, really exciting traction, some things we've done right, definitely a lot of mistakes along the way. Um, but overall, I, I think it's a pretty cool story in, in what has been a, a trickier growth economy. Yeah, no, I mean, the past few years, uh, the economy at large has been so wild that building a business within that period, I'm sure was, there was a lot of unpredictability. It really has. And it's crazy how quickly the D2C landscape has changed, even from a fundraising perspective, what investors prioritize out of a business, you know, top line growth versus profitability and sustainability of a business. Um, so in some ways, I think we've been on the right side of history because we we sort of knew that the um, economy was changing, whereas I think some businesses that were built in you know the first D2C boom are now having a hard time raising later stages and adjusting to this new environment. So are you seeing now that investors are prioritizing profit and sustainable growth over just fast top line growth? Without a doubt. I think um, unless there is profitability or a route towards profitability, it's very hard to close money right now. I still think growth is certainly prioritized and there is an expectation of growth, but it's not the type of thinking where if you close money and grow at all costs, at some point a strategic will acquire you and move you mm-hmm. towards profitability. I think the expectation is you've reached profitability before an, an acquisition is even yeah. an option. I think it's exciting. It is exciting. <laughs> and it, it does make you build a healthy business. It does. You know, and it's it's really cool figuring that out. Yeah. I mean, it's just a different mindset, right? And it the decisions that is. you make are going to be different if those are the goals, if that's the goal in mind. Exactly. Um, I think like having a services business, having profit from the beginning was always the goal, yeah. even when it was just like me or me and one other person. Um, and it, it was interesting though, because even five years ago, that wasn't what was like sexy from right. a business startup perspective. It was like, oh, you don't have investors and you're not fundraising and you're not prioritizing growth at all costs. Right. Um, so it's been really kind of interesting to see the pendulum swing a little bit. Yeah. Even from like giant tech companies are prioritizing, starting to prioritize sustainability more. It really is so Which interesting. Which is kind of fascinating. And I envy the service businesses that, that <laughs> thought about it from day one because it, it really, like, it, that is what a business is. Yeah. And so I think it, as, as tricky as it is, it's helpful for sort of all sectors to, to refocus or at least have a moment in time where they're really focusing on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think so often, too, in the case that you mentioned before, when you're banking on a potential acquisition to happen that then helps you transition into profitability, Sometimes that doesn't happen that it way. Doesn't. And then the founder and the team ends up getting kind of screwed on oh, all their hard work too. A hundred percent. And I yeah, I, I think like if your core unit economics don't work from, you know, day one, yeah. you're constantly going to be running this uphill battle. And so even if you're not profitable from day one, we certainly weren't. I think understanding like what are like the marginal components of our spend that could get us to a point of profitability and work towards that um, is really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, exciting. I like it. I like the Very change. Exciting. Um, so back to marketing tactics and which things are helping to drive growth today. What types of things are you seeing working, whether it be for your business or for your competitors? Like 
what things are popping right now? So for better or for worse, we are still very heavily invested in meta advertising. It's not the sexiest answer, <laughs> but unfortunately, it, it really is what has allowed us to grow so quickly. We have a product that is fairly demonstrative, one that you're sort of watching work. And with that in mind, um, video UGC content has really been super high converting for us. And we've had um, a fairly affordable customer acquisition cost from the beginning. So that really has been huge for us. But that said, I think like the greatest conversation happening right now in the DTC world is how do you counteract rising customer acquisition costs largely yeah. led by Meta? And I think one thing that's really exciting is this product seeding focus where you're sending out quite a bit of product, not to huge, crazy influencers, but to micro-influencers, nano-influencers with this mindset that people influence people. And I'm taking that sentence from another founder <laughs> that I just listened to, so that's not an initial original idea, but, um, you know, how do you reach people 10 times and do so in a really organic way where it's genuinely their friends and, you know, their um, co-workers that are talking about a product and therefore if you can acquire customers through a bunch of product seeding and having people organically post about your product your customer acquisition cost largely becomes the cost of your product um, to send out and so that really has been moving the needle for us there's some companies that have really pioneered that approach and seen incredible success with it and we're still kind of on the early stages of like really rolling it out at scale but it certainly has been sort of adding at the very least to our successful meta campaigns that's awesome yeah i think it's like it's taking it back to product sampling yes, right that's it um i think of liquid iv a lot and they do such an amazing job with their sampling yeah. they like place and seed product in ski resorts and totally. gyms and there's just a few packets like it's nothing crazy but right. to your point someone has one and then they talk about it and they spread the message and i it's something that i think we take for granted or we don't think that is going to drive that much impact but people take recommendations from their peers absolutely and that is the biggest source of decision to buy I think in many exactly. cases exactly I remember I was at like a Hamptons brunch and they were passing out athletic greens mm -hmm. and I was like it literally rejuvenated me and I'm like I'm gonna need a packet yeah, of that like, you know okay, going to buy exactly yeah, yeah. sold so it does make sense so how do you track the impact of your product seeding it's very hard attribution is like always the black box with yeah. marketing spend um we do quite a bit of like post-purchase surveys trying to understand how did you hear about okay. us ask the customer that has purchased where they made their purchase decision. Um, but I think more than anything, we're just measuring like what type of content is coming in. Like okay. really content is king for us, repurposing in both a paid and organic capacity. Um, so as much as there are like a lot of databases that I think can help you with it, we are sort of under the impression that like nothing beats manual labor. And so we as a small but mighty team are just constantly reaching out to different people to send them product, encourage them to create content, share that content back with us. So the easiest sort of deliverable is like how much content to be collected okay. a month. Okay. So when you send them product, you ask them to post about it, exactly. sh share with their friends. Okay. The expectation is sort of like 
we love your page. We love the content you're creating. Yeah. We would love to send you a product if you could share your experience. And, Amazing. And typically that seems to result in yeah. something. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's grassroots. I mean, you guys are hustling for sure. We're definitely trying. Yeah. yeah. So that has that has been helpful. That's really cool. And what do you think is not worth doing today? I... Again, I think it's like very brand specific. And so there is so much worth testing because there's some things that really haven't worked for us. And yet I hear other founders like ooing and aahing over it. I think like just back to the basics for people like wanting to start a brand, I think something that I've heard and and sort of seen is it's – not enough to just take something that exists and put it on the internet and really market the hell out of it anymore. I think that totally did work for a while. Oh, like yeah. Everything moved online. For sure. But now I think there really is something to be said for like true product innovation and really thinking through like what am I offering that's super different than what is already available. Yeah. It's not to say that the former won't work. It's just I think you're going to be at such an advantage of cutting through the noise if you're really talking about something new and innovative within your marketing dollars. Um, so I, I would just say try to avoid um, the like blanding approach, I think mm-hmm. it's called, mm-hmm. which is just like putting a brand on something that already exists. I like that. Yeah, I mean, you have to be clear and concise to the customer about why they should buy your yeah. thing over the many other options that exactly. they have. Exactly. And if it's not straightforward, the customer's not going to get it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like the, you know, the same vitamin isn't just going to work online. You right. know, it right. has to be something that's really unique. Yeah. No, we have to remind ourselves that a lot, that the CTA needs to be clear and <laughs> yeah. you have to stop people amidst them looking at pictures of their friends' kids and puppies and other things that are more interesting to them to really cut through the noise because otherwise how easy is it to just keep scrolling I mean it is and it's so interesting like what you learn about like human psychology isn't it like oh yeah it's fascinating like what color CTAs stop people in their tracks and I would have never I think I'm just a dumb consumer you know like I am not that (laughs) I don't see those things when we have experts helping us optimize so um it's so fascinating like what stops people in their tracks Uh hundred percent. I worked at Ben and Jerry's for a few years and we would do like graphic testing of, to your point, if we make the background on this blue versus red and will someone be more likely to sign a petition for climate justice? And those little tiny tweaks make a huge difference, which it is fascinating. It's like, you don't think it's going to be that specific, but it is at the yeah. end of the day. Um, it's wild once and it, you get it, into like, it. And it requires testing to it your does. point, which can be tiresome, but yeah. Yeah. but so cool when you get the results back and start to see trends form from, from certain marketing tests. Agree. So what relationship has been most impactful on you as you look at your career to date? So I have been really big on seeking out advisors along the way. And I think when I um, honestly assign certain um, moments of success to Nori. A lot of it boils back to a specific advisor relationship. And I don't know that there's one person, but um, interestingly enough, I started at a company called Alpha Sites okay. um, that does expert network outreach. Basically, when a PE firm or cons- consultancy is, is making a specific corporate decision, they want to speak with an expert in whatever mm-hmm. that investment mm-hmm. decision is or corporate change. And Alpha Sites finds that expert. Okay. And so um, as much as I was conducting that on behalf of my clients, I think it did get me in the mindset of like, find people that understand this way more than you do. Find the expert in mm-hmm. that field. 
and try and encourage them to help you. And what's so cool about entrepreneurship is I think anyone that's seen success typically has had a lot of people help them along the way. So it's like absolutely mind-blowing how willing people are to help you when asked. Um, So anyways, I ended up recruiting advisors like Dave Heath from Bombas, um, Jack McHugh from Fabletics. We met a great young founder named Ben Smith. Um, So really just like Building this advisory network has been so, so helpful to myself and my co-founder, making small decisions and building the company along the way. That's amazing. Super important. I I have many advisors as well. And sometimes I'm like, am I overdoing it with the number of people that (laughs) I have that I can like (laughs) ask for advice on? But it's the perspective is so is invaluable. I mean, the types of questions that, that they ask and experiences that they can bring to the table, like to your point. It takes a village it to really does help you build these things. So that's awesome to hear. It doesn't. I just think it ends up saving you so much time too, because they've made the decisions that you're trying to sort oh, yeah. through a million times over. And we were so lucky that like so many resources and partners and like agency partners were just handed to us as like I've tried four, try yeah. this. Yeah, you like, know, this is the best we tried. Yeah, and it really helped us so much. I could never have done that on my own. That's awesome. So tell us who you are. So my name is Courtney Toll. I'm the co-founder of Nori, which is a clothing care brand. And our hero product is sort of this innovative take on a handheld steam iron called the Nori Press. Amazing. And when did you found the company? So we uh, officially launched the company in May of 2021. Um, So we're coming up on our third birthday, um, but have sort of started from a direct consumer standpoint and now fairly omni-channel. Amazing. And so you talk about hero product. Do you have other products? We do. So our greater category is clothing care, which is an interesting one because it's pretty fragmented. Um, But our goal is to create sort of hardware and liquid products that are designed to increase the longevity of your wardrobe. So you love a shirt, but you've had it for four years and you want to give it away. How do you increase the longevity Mm -hmm. of that? shirt and and care for it on an ongoing basis. So the iron slash steamer is our hero product, but we have a fabric shaver. We have a liquid ironing solution that will help deodorize your clothes and refresh them. Um, And then a new hero product actually launching in April. Amazing. That's awesome. What inspired you to to start Nori? So kind of a personal pain point, that company that I mentioned I worked for, first first job out of college, would wake up wanting to make a strong first impression, look good at work, um, but lived in like the tiniest New York apartment, Mm -hmm. honestly still Mm -hmm. do, and um, just didn't own an ironing board. I hated the steamer that I had, and I couldn't afford dry cleaning, so I'd iron my clothes with a hair straightener, and I just thought like, this is got to be like one of the only markets that doesn't have an innovative player. Um, So spent a lot of time in customer discovery and tried to create an iron that is totally inspired by consumer need. No ironing board required, really innovative features, um, meant to make it totally hassle-free. That's amazing. So you saw a problem and you... Simple as that, yeah. yeah. Sometimes I look back and I'm like, what was I doing? But (laughs) glad I did it. I mean, it's interesting though. I feel like I've faced similar challenges of one, ironing just feels complicated to me. It's like I still don't know exactly how to even do it. Right. And I'm scared of an iron. I feel like it's going to burn me. And then a steamer, I've burnt myself with steamer and before. And they spit everywhere. Oh, my gosh. There's water all over oh the place. Gosh, Your clothes yeah. are wet usually afterwards. Exactly. And then you're just frustrated with the whole situation. Exactly. And you're like, should yeah. I just pay for the dry cleaning? Yeah. But so yeah. Nori's iron spelled backwards, actually. And it's Love meant that. to sort of be a, a new take on it. 
I love that. That's awesome. Well, congratulations on almost Thank three years. So much. That's so cool. Thank you. Um, what is a day in the life for you? What does it look like? So you can probably test this too. Like every day <laughs> really is so different. so different. I think one thing that we're trying to be more mindful about specifically this year is, especially with a small team, like you can just become like um, as if you're playing a game of whack-a-mole. Like it's just like hitting the mm-hmm. hottest need, like a fulfillment issue, product development, or ops or sales and we're trying every single week to come up with like a larger focus so for example like this week we love doing co-branded partnerships where we come out with like a specific edition of the nori press in partnership with another brand or talent so this week i'm really focused on trying to find new partners how to optimize the kind of partnership structure based on past learnings so we're really trying to be more mindful about like hitting one thing at a time and really putting our energy into that to see true results versus just being so reactive to the constant needs of a business yeah how do you plan your weeks uh, so <laughs> we try and do a team meeting every single morning at okay. 10 30 which allows us to like get through our inbox in the morning and then start to talk about what we're going to do. But I would say, like, we like to spend the first three days on more um, outward-looking outreach. So new partners, new retailers. um, And then the second half of the week, when people start to become, I don't want to say more lazy, but, you know, they get (laughs) distracted throughout the week, um, we're more internal focused. So, like, what are operation optimizations we can make? What do we need to be doing internally? Um, And then it all starts over. I love that. That's a cool structure. I haven't really heard of people breaking I mean, the week and have like that. Honestly, do we stick to it? No, but <laughs> well, that is the intent yeah, every week. It's a rough guide. Yep. Mm-hmm. I like that. I think it's always interesting to hear about how people set their weeks up because I think there's sort of a notion that everyone just gets to the week and sees what happens. Yeah. And there is more intentionality that goes into it usually. Ex- exactly. Yeah. That's the hope at least. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you're trying to like run the show and grow something. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. And what would you say is the like the high and the low of your of your role currently? I think the high is like truly seeing something tangible that you have built. And we have so much fun with like new product launches, new color launches, new partnerships and new retailers because you're so in the weeds of like all that it takes to get something to market. But then when you actually see something you created, I think that's something so unique to entrepreneurship that you sometimes don't get in other jobs is like, whoa, I made that with a team. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think the lows are, um, there's just not always a ton in your control and it can be frustrating to put a lot into things and sometimes feel like, you know, a retailer isn't responding or a supplier came up short. And I'm sure we let people down too. But, um, you know, I think it's just easy to get caught up in bad days when things don't go your way, um, especially when everything feels so personal because, you know, it's your company. I'm sure. I always think that that must be the hardest part of having a product-based business is just the number of pieces that need to be in order to get your product then into the customer's hands. It's simpler with services, right? It's like, here's your client, here's your service. 
that's deliver. The, yeah, yeah, like get it done. And there's unpredictability with that I'm too. Sure. But uh, the multi-step process and players involved from the product side, I'm sure is just crazy sometimes. Sometimes it is crazy. Yeah. And I think, you know, with any supply chain that you're a consumer of, like things run at a delay. Right. Right. <laughs> right. So it is what it is. But um, I'm sure with services too, like there's there's the intricacies that end up being a hang up. Yeah. Yeah. Things that you just can't control. That's exactly. part of the game. Is what it is. You're like, okay, I just have to let the game come to me a little bit. But it's hard to do that when it you're is. a go-getter and like control maybe. Perfect. Yeah. Perfectionist <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> did you, at 21, did you ever think you would be doing what you're doing now? No, I didn't at all. I'm like very risk averse, honestly. Really? I That's am, surprising. It is. I actually was an entrepreneurship minor, mainly to bolster my major. Okay. I was what in, was your major? I was a communications major, okay. but I wanted okay. like a little bit more of the businessy side. So I thought entrepreneurship yeah. would be a good add on. But we like took a test to tell us the likelihood of being an entrepreneur and Mine was like a stark minority, so <laughs> it's honestly shocking that I'm here. But um, I think, again, it just boils down to like what your idea is. I was really yeah. passionate about my idea, and the more time I spent on it while still in like the safe confines of my day job, I started to feel like there really was potential and scalable potential. Yeah. And so I think like regardless of who you are, especially if you are risk averse, like maybe using that to your benefit of trying to like take actions to de-risk something like raise money yeah. before you ever leave your job or, you know, find a supplier before you ever leave your job or whatever that might look like for you. Um, that helped me a lot to actually move forward with it when I wasn't 100% comfortable going full force. Were That's you, good are you, advice. Did you think you'd be an entrepreneur? Or? I always wanted to start a company. I wow. did not think See, that, I think that's so cool. <laughs> I did not think it was going to be a services business, though. And I was waiting for some idea, like yeah. your idea. Like I was waiting to be inspired by some problem <laughs> I had. And I was like, I'm going to create this thing. Um and that's not how it worked out. But opportunities present themselves in weird they really ways. Do. And it felt like when I started Indie, there was an opportunity to create something a little different in this space, in this marketing services space. And then to your point, it it is constantly just balancing the risk and yeah. saying like, okay, what is the worst thing that can happen if I go for this? Right. Because if you tell yourself and convince yourself, all right, well, I have this to fall back on or... I have this contract in place for a year, so I know I'm good at least for a year. And then I have enough prospects to know I'm pro I have a likelihood of getting something to hire someone. Yeah. It makes those those leaps a little bit easier. It for totally sure. is. It's like a constant practice and like hedging your back. Yeah, because it's not like <laughs> we're just like, screw it, we're quitting our jobs right. and we're gonna go do this thing and right. see what happens. I like, envy people that are like oh, that. Me too. But, but yeah. I'm not like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it is I think it's kind of fun now. It almost feels like I mean, there's some sort of adrenaline tied to it, right? Oh, there because totally is. You're like constantly weighing your options, and then when you hit it right, it's like, oh, that's awesome. And we always talk about this like mindset of entrepreneurship, which I'm sure you probably feel too, of like, in the best way, it's never enough. Like, no. you always have oh, wanted no. X amount in revenue. Hit it like, yeah. onto the next, you know? Like, I've always it's wanted terrible. this investor. They invest, not enough. Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. And for better or for worse, I think that mindset, like, pushes you so much farther. Yeah. Um, but probably also get to take a moment to, you know, be oh, grateful for those things. But it's hard to not just always want the next thing for your business. It is. It is. I was actually thinking about this today because we closed a client that, I'm super excited about. Congratulations. But thank you. But we got the email and I was like, 
oh, awesome. I was excited. Yeah. But then I paused for a second. I'm like, I used to get like, oh my God, this was the best thing that's yes. happened to me in all month, you know? And now I'm like, okay, great. You know, on to the next. Literally, basically. what is my next yeah. partner? And yeah. I'm like, okay, I need to stop. And to your point, celebrate the win. Like it's really exciting. But you do just get in it's always going to the next level. It's to, to the, the next, next level, thing. Next level, yeah. yeah. And sometimes you stop and you're like, if I told myself, you know, oh, then yeah. where I am now, I'd be so excited. Yeah. But not in a moment. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I can absolutely relate. Um, what is the biggest thing you've learned about yourself through your entrepreneurial journey? I feel like my one of the things that I've noticed in the process of building indie is just how introspective the experience has been yeah. for me. So I'm curious what you feel like you've learned about you? I feel like I'm more resilient than I probably thought I was. I, Like I said, I'm risk averse, so I'm kind of averse to change in many ways. Um, but you can't be that way. No. And as much as like, like you said, like the wins, they come and you kind of move on to the next. Same with the losses. Like sometimes something doesn't go your way and you know, it can feel earth shattering, but like there's no time in entrepreneurship to let that get you down. And I think like it's interesting how quickly now when things don't go our way, it's like, well, whatever, you know, yeah. on to the next. Yeah. And I am so happy that that is something that is fostered day in and day out because I think it really helps you in every aspect of life um, when things are always out of your control to use that sense of resiliency to your benefit. So I think I'm more resilient than I thought. And I think it's building with time. <laughs> I like that. No, I agree. It does just kind of put things into perspective of nothing – there are very few things that are going to be like the end, the end of, of the, the world. world. Yeah. Otherwise, exactly. you keep moving. And that's kind of the point of entrepreneurship. Exactly. Yeah. And the benefit of having such a busy day-to-day -day is like, can't focus on it. Yeah. So on yeah. we go. <laughs> what would you, what would be your biggest piece of advice for someone who's looking to start like a product-based company? I think it's um, kind of back to that idea of de-risking, like really spend the time thinking about what you're building. Um, and one, make sure that it's a, a real need that you're solving for. And two, surround yourself with advisors that yeah. once you've identified that idea, what can allow you to move, you know, 3x faster because of the experience that they have. Um, there is nothing, I think, that replaces the role of an advisor in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, awesome. What... What would you say someone should not do <laughs> who is looking to start a business? That's a good question. Um, okay, so interestingly enough, I think, like, be more choosy. I okay. think when you first start something, like, any attention, you're like, ah, you know, my yeah. product's the best thing ever. Yeah. And certain opportunities will start to pop up fairly early on, and it can seem so exciting. Like, you have to try everything. But try and be like more choosy and like really think about does this drive revenue? Mm -hmm. And it's so easy, kind of back to like my very first answer of like sometimes making mistakes on investing in certain things that don't work. Often worth testing, but like it can't hurt to ask yourself like does this drive the company from point A to point B? Or is this just like a cool thing that yeah. we can post yeah. about, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, so I would just say be mindful about your early early investments. Yeah. That's smart. Yeah, I think I look back at our journey with Indy and we took on some projects in the early days that like we just took on because yeah. we're like, oh, great, a new project. Totally. And you're like, why did we do that? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was not helpful. We were like, the team out. Torture, we were tortured by the situation. It didn't move the needle on the business. Yeah. But 
you have to go through some of those experiences to learn too, I think. You really do. And that's the thing. It's it's all learning. And honestly, people gave me that advice too. And I'm like, Ooh. oh, yeah, yeah. Because you're just like so excited and you, again, want to move forward. So yeah. you're like, this feels like we could make this an opportunity. Exactly. Like, let's try. I'm sure there's something to be yeah. gained there. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> Amazing. Well, let's do a quick round of trendy or tragic. Oh, love it. So I'll throw something out and give me your initial reactions. Okay, perfect. Um, okay, Stanley Muggs. <gasps> I think trendy. Yeah. I love mine. You have and one? I'm not a huge water drinker, which was a resolution of mine, and I think it's helped. <laughs> yeah. Do you have one? No. Okay. I think you should get one. I know. <laughs> I have a I'm like still stuck in the Yeti age. Okay, Yeti's one of our investors. So okay. I should be drinking okay, out of good. a Yeti. <laughs> I was gonna say I am a millennial, obviously. Um, not cool enough with the Stanley. Here's my issue with the Stanley. Do you bring it around New York City? Like are you chugging well, okay. along with that thing? That is the hard thing. Like, no, it's like my home office friend. Yeah. Yeah. I I've seen people with the straw covers, but I haven't gone that far yet. So I I don't bring it to the office. So I do think the Yeti is better in that case, yeah. but for like the day-to-day at home, like it's I, nice I do have. love it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like if I was driving everywhere, it, it fits perfectly in the cup holder. You got the glug glug there yeah, with yeah. you. Like it's a good setup. But yeah, maybe I should just try it at home. See how it goes. <laughs> Treat yourself, why not? <laughs> um people posting about their personal lives on LinkedIn. Oh, <laughs> I want to say trendy. <laughs> um, okay, I'd probably say tragic, just unless it somehow like relates to their day yeah. today. Yep. But I do feel like there's so many social media channels. And mm-hmm. I do think what's cool about LinkedIn is that it is so different from the rest because it's such a resource for career networking. So if it's something that bleeds into like business decisions or the change in, in what you're doing, 100%. But sometimes I do feel like it's kind of unnecessary. I agree. Yeah. I'm like, keep it somewhere else. That's why we have Instagram. That's, That's why we have a million TikTok, others. TikTok. Yeah. Update your Facebook status or whatever. But we don't need to have the novella of your engagement story yeah Yeah. (laughs) like it's too much that's not why we're here it is so funny yeah but you still I still like give it a like because I'm like okay I know I know (laughs) I mean LinkedIn is just its own beast you know it's like you don't really want to be on there, but you kind of have to. I know. And that's why I feel like it should be like limited to business yes. things so you can like be efficient with it. Right. It's like, let's you know, you're not there, scrolling through the noise. Around. Yeah. We got to give people updates. This is where our customers are. Exactly. Or partners or whatever it may be. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. That's so funny. Uh, unhinged marketing. Have you heard about this trend? I don't know. Oh, is this just where like you say wild things yeah. sort of? Yeah. Okay. Surprisingly trendy. I do feel like Maybe it's not something we have tried, but I have seen it, like, popped up a ton where people are just, like, saying wild things. Um, I think a lot of people are playing on, like, sexualizing products, Mm -hmm. which, you know, for better or for worse, like, it's interesting. (laughs) Ours honestly kind of has an interesting shape to it, so (laughs) it could go that direction. But um, I'd say trendy because I do think it's, like, up and coming. To be fair, we haven't tested it much. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's good for brands to figure out – to have a voice and then commit yeah. to it, right? Like, and if you your brand is positioned to have fun and be a little That's crazy, so true. Go for it. If it's a if go it's native it. to your brand voice and like dough, for example, it's, you know the cookie dough brand. Yes. they're very tongue in cheek and yes. they say very tongue in cheek things, but it's so on brand for them. Whereas I think like if certain brands were to do it, it would feel like so you know not yeah <laughs> not yeah. native to that brand voice. Um, I agree. So probably depends on on who you are. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about how 
Tiffany's has like really overreached on their social and they're doing like all these memes and trying to be like really sassy and funny and it's like Tiffany's what like this is not the right fit I've heard that I actually haven't looked but I was reading an article that the IRS has also like gone a little too far in that direction Hmm. which I'm like oh I don't know that you can like be arresting people and then making those jokes no I feel like that's honestly not what I want to hear literally literally it's like we already have a weird relationship let's not continue this exactly (laughs) amazing well thank you so much for for joining us today this has been super fun um tell people where they can find you and Nori So you can find Nori on our website at www.nori.co. We're also available on Bloomingdale's, William Sonoma, Crate and Barrel, the Container Store, fun places like that. Awesome. And they can find you on LinkedIn. On LinkedIn. (laughs) Nothing about my personal life. You're never going to know. And then also our socials are at Meet Nori on both TikTok and Instagram. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. All right. So you guys can find us on Instagram at namedrop.pod and I'm at Malbakes. Thanks so much. 